Well, you can talk about film. Gotta be quicker than this. You can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal or measure them all by box office appeal, but for once in your life... Be real! Welcome one and all to the film podcast, Be Real. If you're listening, it's hopefully your movie reviewing and reappraising podcast. This is a mini episode in a sense. We'll see how long it actually turns out. But uh, myself, Chance Solem Pfeiffer, and my partner in crime, Noah Ballard, we're together in this weekend, so we just had to talk. We're still together. We're still together. We're sitting on a futon, just you and me, just hanging out. In your parents' basement. In my parents' basement. Lawrenceville, New Jersey. So if you hear any weird noises, it's it's parents' stuff. So what did we do this weekend, and what led us to uh, the one movie that we're going to talk about? Um, so this past weekend was my birthday. Uh, HB. So, HB. Your podcast, HB, buddy. Happy. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. Um, and some friends and I, including... Chance here decided to rent a cabin up in the Poconos in Pennsylvania and spend the weekend just hanging out, drinking beer. You know, the weather was nice. Played played some cornhole outside, made some fires. It was nice. You made so many great meals. It was right. a great time. But when we were preparing to go up to the Poconos, we were in my parents' uh, in my my hometown in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, at the Sam's Club, and near the front door of the Sam's Club was a large container of what would you say like 50 cookies yeah a sam's club big box size right and for some reason this inspired me to do a riff on the al pacino line from the recruit wow you got me hand in the cookie jar but i said you got me hand on the cookie tray right which made you laugh Definitely. And then when we got back... That time and all the other times. When we got back, we were like picking out movies to take up with us. And I was like, well, why don't we take The Recruit? Because yeah. if you remember half an hour earlier, you did indeed catch me with my hand in the <laughs> cookie tray. So, yeah, The Recruit is... I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a little-known film, but it's like not a film that people talk about or think about anymore. It's not like an art house film or anything. It's a pretty run-of-the-mill... Very run-of-the-mill. Like, mentor, mentee, CIA kind of, you know... It has a lot of money behind it. So it's 2003. It's Roger Donaldson, director of... I did remember he directed Dante's Peak, but uh, we were reminded that he also directed uh, podcast favorite Cocktail. So yeah, the the mentee, as you refer to, is uh, played by Colin Farrell, and the mentor is played by Al Pacino. Um, yeah, Colin Farrell is the titular recruit. Right, right. Um, so yeah, sort of like, I wouldn't say like against the the group's will, but just kind of like, you know, carving out a place for ourselves on Saturday afternoon. We put on this movie that really nobody wanted to watch except us. And when you say except us, you mean like except you, Noah. I, I don't know. I, I could have had a good time with it. I didn't know. I yeah, you didn't know. Um, yeah, I, mostly I just wanted to watch it. And so why don't we synopsize this, and then what you're going to hear on this special episode, which is at least partially live from the Fall Classic 2017 in the Poconos, is uh, the take of every single person who was in the lodge this weekend right. on a not very good movie, in my opinion, that they mostly didn't watch. 
Right. But some of them did. Yeah, some of them did. Some of them didn't. Some of them watched different movies. Some of them watched more of it than I thought they had. Interesting. So. Some of them had, like, huge errors that they discovered in the movie that I didn't expect them to. Right. Yeah. Um, But to just synopsize really quick before we get into that. um, So Colin Farrell's an MIT student and... We open he's with... He's also in super great shape, and he punches well. He punches things, and he's also, like, a hot bartender. Right. And the movie what sort of... What is Roger Donaldson's deal with hot bartenders? Unclear. Maybe the movie should have just been them at the bar. Sure. Anyway, um, so he's an MIT student, and the movie sort of opens with him running late to unveil at this, like, science fair thing, this piece of code, him and his friends, who we never hear from again. Nope. <laughs> Uh, have developed called Spartacus, and Spartacus's uh, its thing is that it can like take over any like visual. It can take over any TV screen and right. like play what you're playing on your computer. Which is such a like '90s idea of like how a virus like hacker thing would work. It would just make everything. Well, the same. technology in this movie is ridiculous, yeah. and then like Ice Nine is so preposterous right. as well. Right. Um, But he's doing that, and, of course, like, Al Pacino is just hanging out in the background, like, watching him. And then Al Pacino comes to the bar where he's the bartender and sort of, like, alludes to his father, which we, like, sort of know from the very long title sequence has died in a plane crash in Peru some years earlier when um, James... The Colin Farrell character was a child and he's like obsessed with his father's death. So Al Pacino sort of uses the father's stuff and sort of alludes to the fact that the father may have served for the CIA too and maybe he should come work for the CIA. He's being recruited. Mm -hmm. And after some internal struggles about what he, about his own politics, Colin Farrell decides that he's going to go to Langley or at least attempt to like take the tests and stuff, and then go to Langley. His job was to recruit the best. I would like to welcome you here to the CIA Special Training Facility. Those of you who do graduate will be official cover operatives. And then he found someone who was perfect. You graduated top of your class at MIT. You're agile, athletic. I am recruiting you. Would I have to kill anyone? Would you like to? The first two acts are, like, set in his training. Yeah, well, the only other important people are fellow trainees, uh, Bridget Moynihan and uh, Gabriel Macht. And uh, Pacino plays Walter Burke, who trains who trains them all. Um, and, you know, he kind of, like, gives that sort of patriotic speech, like, there's wrong and there's right. And then, but then very quickly it gets into, like, CIA bullshit, where right. it's just like, no, this is all, like, fake, amoral shadow games. Yeah, um, we get it, Kip, uh, shadow games. We get it, Al. Yeah, it's just like a, a lot of like twists and turns and your classic sort of like third act things are not what they seemed, which you should have expected because like most of Al Pacino's lines are everything's a test and nothing is what it seems. Right. <laughs> this yeah, The movie is mostly front seat conversations between Farrell and Pacino. Yes. They just have an assortment of cars and an assortment sort of, of Washington, recognizable Washington places. Right. So I had the, the pleasure of watching Chance like give up on this movie <laughs> you actually looked over me at one point and like dead eye marked the moment at which i gave up do you remember what it was um 
I don't. What do you? I think it was the bar. So there's this scene where Al Pacino like takes all like a bunch of male trainees right. and like tonight you're gonna go to the bar and everybody has to pick up a girl and come back to me while I sit in the van. And right. it's very creepy that Al Pacino's just like in the van, like waiting for With people. his little Serpico hat on. Right. Like waiting for younger men to bring back women right. to the van. To then do what? I think they would at that point tell them like this was just a training exercise. I don't know. Or they would engage in some like weird stuff. Um but then Bridget Moynihan pretends to be really drunk and disappointed that she got kicked out of the program. Right. It turns out, of course, that her mission was the same. And so she, like, Well, her mission was Colin to keep Farrell. Colin Farrell from picking up a girl. Oh, right, right. But there's, like, this scene where she's sort of, like, hokey drunk, which I guess is the point, because she's just pretending. Right. But they, like, start kissing a little, and then, like, Chance just, like, was, like, he, like, was shaking. He was, like, no. Oh, yeah, I threw up my hands a little bit. But I will say that... It, it wasn't sort of an incidental frustration. The thing that I think is this movie's biggest failure is that when you have a nothing-is-what-it-seems movie about a corrupt organization, mm-hmm. you need to be able to get people to buy into the fantasy of the moment before pulling the rug out. Right. And that's what this movie never did. Right. Is the, there was nothing in the Farrell Pacino relationship, the Farrell Moynihan relationship, the just the relationship between Farrell and his sense of patriotic duty that was interesting or convincing enough to matter when, of course, like, it wasn't real. Right. I think it has a more fundamental flaw in that other than, like, plot elements or plot devices no character in this movie has any like development whatsoever well right and th- i mean i think i think these problems are related sure like if the characters felt real then it would be like right. a shame or tantalizing when their fake relationships turned out to be fake right but we go through most of this movie knowing nothing about anyone on screen right from anything before they were on screen mm-hmm. Which is like, like it doesn't appear that anybody has a family, right, or friends, or anything yeah. outside of this one program, which is counter to like at least for the Colin Farrell character, everything we've like learned about him in the first ten minutes. Which is also weird because like the people, these people should by by all rights be interesting folks too, right? Right. right. And Colin Farrell, like other than being with this team of MIT tech people, like. He wouldn't be, like, my first choice for, like, brainy, but also brawny kind of guy. No. Like, he's not... He just doesn't... His character doesn't seem that, like, smart. Like, he can do, like, the tactical, like, running around the bug house kind of thing and smashing through the glass window. Right. But, like, when it gets to him, like, actually, like, needing to break down someone's psyche, he just, like, sexually harasses them. Right, which is sort of the, like, on-screen Colin Farrell promise, right? Right. Is that, like, he can, like, screw with people in, like, a flirty way before the movie ultimately screws with him. Right. Pacino, the shadow of Pacino, dominates this movie. Sure. Because Colin Farrell's not really doing much worth, like, looking at. But this is... What a weird like, 90s and 2000s Pacino had where, like, the way he operated in the industry was to get paired with younger male stars, like Keanu right. and Devil's Advocate or mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey and Two for the Money, which we almost watched, which was available at this house, but it turned out to be such a poorly bootlegged version of the movie, it was unwatchable. So you're stuck with the recruit only. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, I also, I think, proved to be a, like, a 
over and over again matchmaking pattern that like didn't work. No, I, I can't see like an example of it. I guess it like something maybe about like scent of a woman or something. That too, or Godfather Three. Yeah, I mean, scent of a woman. I would consider it like a successful example of it. But other than that, yeah, it's just like a lot of like. Well, like, Al needs to pay the bills, so, like, let's put him in a movie with someone that we're banking on a little bit more, and I guess, like, an older crowd will show up because of Pacino or something. Right. But then you get, like, him sort of transitioned to, like, two olds movie, like, uh, Righteous Kill. Yeah. But this movie is interesting, too, and I think the reason, like, I wanted Chance to see it is because, like, the movie, the climax of the movie is Al Pacino screaming at... (laughs) a group of CIA operatives with guns pointed at him, you got me, hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. And, like, what possible premise could lead to that <laughs> that moment? You got me, hand in the cookie jar. So I think in that case, if it is like a mystery of, you know, being around me for all the years you've been around me where I've done that line. Yeah. It's like, how could we possibly get here? Like, what is this mystery? Like, but without the relationship to me, I think the movie is like not maybe that that great. But if you're if you were looking to sort of unlock that mystery, I'm sorry. Are you looking for some kind of charity birthday bad good for me right now? Because I know you. <laughs> that may be the rhetoric I'm I'm using to convince you. This is but... kind of like a didn't we have a nice weekend? Can't you please give this movie a bad? I mean, good? I think we had a really nice weekend. I I, I agree. All movies and most of life can be described with our rating system. The four categories are good, good, bad, bad, good, bad, and bad, good. The first good or bad refers to intellectual quality. The second is pure pleasure. Good, good is easy. Things that make you feel smart and happy and that for both reasons you'd want to do again. Like watching The Departed or Jaws or calling your pal to do a podcast with him. Good, good movies make Noah say, Love that. Bad, bad is easy, too. Things that bring you neither stimulation nor joy. Basically, you just wasted your time. Things like watching White Chicks or Wild Wild West, a conceptual double album of Christian pop punk. Bad, bad movies make Chance say things like, I hated that. Good, bad, then, is something you recognize as worthwhile, but not something you enjoy. Schindler's List, Requiem for a Dream, most classical music, eating your goddamn vegetables. Good, bad is about being an adult, and these kinds of movies make Noah say, I mean, I'm glad I saw it once, but never again. Conversely, bad good is for your thoughtless inner child. It's Cheetos. It's late career Billy Joel. It's movies like Christmas Vacation. Honey? Kids? And Deep Blue Sea. Bad good movies make chance say, But it failed in such an entertaining way. Got all that? Now buckle up, because you're about to hear an opinion stated as fact. I don't know, man. It's gonna probably be a bad bad for me. I mean, the, my, the other problem with this movie is just that, like, as you said, it's so much training, and you've, you've been watching for, like, an hour plus, and you're like, he doesn't even have the mission yet mm-hmm. that's going to turn and reveal the fact that, like, Pacino might be a traitor, that he may have his fingies deep in the cookie jar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, it's just, like, a lot of... It almost, you know, it's kind of like Witches of Eastwick, where, like... In terms of its seduction, right? Right. It just spends too long. Like this, this, the setup, the setup should be the seduction. We should be ready sure. to go after thirty minutes. Sure. But the movie takes an hour. I think I'm gonna have to say that this is a bad good because 
I mean, just by your rating system alone, the idea that, you know, there's a shot in this movie where this, like, from a helicopter, we see a bus pull into this, like, compound, and another helicopter, like, takes off for no reason whatsoever, you know? And then it has, like, all this ridiculous technology that ultimately, like, makes no difference, you know, like that thing, the the little like biological listening device that he literally only uses that to listen to her have a shower. Right. Like it doesn't come into play in the plot at all. Spartacus, the thing that like the hardest work that the script does really of like what's an interesting thing that can bring us like this guy, like this smart tech guy, mm-hmm. is ultimately like both the climax hinges on Spartacus, but is also like totally irrelevant to Spartacus. Right. So it's like a weird bookend to it, but that it has that. Oh, and this ridiculous part of the plot is that it's unclear, like, who... Someone is trying to get this virus out of this of Langley. It's called Ice-9, and apparently if you, like, just, like, plug it into, like, a wall outlet, it, like, kills everything. <laughs> and it's, like, a, a lot of good Kurt Vonnegut references uh, in the film. There are Kurt Vonnegut there references. There are Kurt Vonnegut, yeah. Again, but an ambitious swing... In the way that uh, I sort of like bad, good movies. But I think it's just such an entertaining mess of, like, good actors and, like, sort of flimsy but, like, expensive filmmaking that, like, I found on a Saturday afternoon up in the country, you know, taking a sort of nap late afternoon thing. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was nice. I understand where you're coming from. It's just going to be... I mean, it's certainly not a first good. I mean, this is the kind of movie where a CIA recruiter woos a recruit by doing a newspaper magic trick that's going to get him into the CIA. (laughs) I was joking to you this morning. There's a scene where he, like, rips... Al Pacino rips the newspaper at least three times. Yeah. And then, like, the movie cuts from him ripping the newspaper (laughs) to Colin Farrell's reaction... And then it, like, turns back to Al Pacino, who then produces, like, a totally unripped newspaper as, right. like, a, whoa, magic trick. Why are you recruiting a nine-year-old? What's, are you not recruiting a magician? Right. Like, also, he doesn't learn at the farm how to make newspapers unrip. This is the kind of bad movie, too, where in that very same scene, Colin Farrell's like, who are you, friend? And Al Pacino... It's right. like has a has an ad in the paper that says special. Yeah. And he circles the CIA and special and like holds it for Colin Farrell to see. And Colin Farrell goes, really? And he goes, yeah, CIA. <laughs> it's just like, why, why did he circle it and then say it out loud? Yeah. Are you good at this job at all? So it's certainly not a first good. I just think that the, that Roger Donaldson is like such a poor director and that there actually, when you step back, is not that much going on in this movie because it's just sure. people meeting up. Um, it's just people doing the same things to each other over and over, which is just like... Yeah, it's like him, Colin Farrell and Bridget Moynihan like flirting, but like not getting together. And then Al Pacino's like, everything's a test. <laughs> yeah. And nothing's meet, what it seems. Meet me in my car and then go back and talk to her some more. And him, but I don't. You have to give some sort of entertainment value to just the Pacino performance. Sure. Just like the food that they give him to like gesture with, and the yeah. guns that he like doesn't know how to properly handle. <laughs> you know, and like the weird things he like does like to hurt himself at the end for no real reason. Oh yeah. Like the last five minutes are certainly bad good, but the movie is not. You don't think so? It was too it was too boring? Too boring. 
too boring. The I, last five minutes are unbelievable, though. Yeah, the, because it's just Pacino turned loose, right? Like, trying to, you know, how many times he says "remember" in the like in that monologue? Yeah, just like calling back to things in the script. Everything is a test. Remember. But you've never, like, gotten to know him in a way that you think he's been, like... Because, like, he holds... He harbors this grudge against the CIA. We can spoil the recruit. Yeah! He harbors this grudge against the CIA, so he, like... An unnamed party pays him a bunch of money to do something. It's unclear. Like, is he trying to get that party the virus? Or is he just trying to show them that, like, information can come out of Langley? Right. It's unclear. And it's unclear why he initially, like, wants Colin Farrell, like, involved with this, because Bridget Moynihan is the one who is getting the info out of Langley, not Colin Farrell. Right. So it's unclear, like, why he is the recruit. But then, yeah, there's this monologue where he, like, goes on and on talking in as vague terms as possible, like, this, like how he's been screwed over, like, systematically for years. Right. Using no proper nouns. Yeah, I'm basically, and not incriminating, he's just like, I'm just tired of being a working stiff, basically. Right. And so I I guess, I guess he does say $3 million, he's bought for $3 million, but the twist is, that's in a part he thinks is being recorded by Colin Farrell, it's yeah. not being recorded. So then they go outside, where they are like, you know, SWAT team, CIA director, spotlights, the whole thing. Pacino thinks he's been caught. Because of the Spartacus, but the Spartacus isn't actually working. Right. So then he like over confesses because he thinks this is like his last monologue, which it is. Right. For all intents and purposes. But he again reveals nothing. He reveals nothing other than the fact that he's taken money and we're supposed to know that like he this is incriminating because it cuts to like the CIA director guy being like Oh my god. Oh my god, Walter. Which really all Walter is saying is like, Me when it should be you and me and it doesn't yeah. It's not a confession. Right. And so then, like, the laser sights from all these <laughs> machine guns switch from Colin Farrell, who they're there to uh, capture because he's he's uh, killed Gabriel Mock. Right. The Zack attack <laughs> in Union Station in D.C. He glocked Mock. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they're there to arrest him, not Al Pacino. Right. But it is when the laser sights go from Colin Farrell to Al Pacino that he makes the realization that he has been God and his hand is firmly in the cookie jar. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so I think at this point, we got to hear from the crew of what was a really fantastic weekend. Absolutely. This is our first episode where I think we've got uh, more than a dozen guests. Yeah. Let's do it. You got me. Hand in the cookie jar. Brent and Galen, welcome to the show. You're the first in a long line of people who uh, didn't watch this movie. What were you doing during the recruit? I think some of it was sleeping, some of it was out at the fire, but all of it was being glad I was not watching The Recruit. Yes, I caught about 10 to 15 minutes of it total. What did you see? Um, I did see the end. I saw that monologue at the end, yeah. which I think I didn't understand, but then as I looked around, it didn't seem that anyone quite understood why he was saying what he was saying there. What do you think The Recruit was about? Okay, from what I saw is I think Al Pacino works for some government agency, gets right. Colin Farrell, and perhaps the woman to whom he made love, Ooh. or made love with, excuse Ooh. me, Ooh. 
and somehow they were like <laughs> opposed to one another in something and then they come together and realize that Al Pacino was actually the guy that was running the show and was actually against the government and then right. is that right? Yes. And then at the end <laughs> and then at the end he's like, "Well, that was a rough ride." The other dude's like, "No, you're a natural. You're the recruit. You should do this forever." That's what I got from Best Pacino like- impression of the weekend, I think. So <laughs> a lot were thrown out. I think that one was good. You got me. Hand in the cookie jar. You've seen it before? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. But you didn't but you didn't watch it this weekend. No, I did. I did. We're talking to James, by the way. Hey. You know, be real. How are you guys? Uh but you were there in the room the whole time? The entire time. I watched every second of that movie with you guys. I'm really sorry. It's alright. It's a lot of guys with beards. A lot of dark people hair. floating in and out. Well, in the movie and Sure. This weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. What did you think on rewatch? Okay, so I had the exact same feeling I had when I watched it when I was whatever 10, 11 years old when yeah. it came out. Is that the premise of the movie is he gets chosen because he's got all these skills. He's like a computer hacker. He's super fit. Like he's traveled, and I'm always like, man, I want someone to show up one day and just be like, James, you have all the skills for this top-notch job. You just didn't know. Well, I didn't know, but now watching as an adult, you realize, like, for him to plausibly have had all those skills, he would have had to sink in, like, a tremendous amount of time wearing, like, learning computer science and, like, being really active. And I'm like, oh, that would have taken... That's how I thought... When I thought of it as a kid, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll have those skills one day. And now looking at it as an adult, I'm like, you have to work really hard to have those very complex set of skills. Um, James, I think you have what it takes. Thank you. I think, oh. Walter, I think a Walter Burke table will be showing up at your door any day. Oh, okay. That's very exciting. Wow. Chance, thank you. You got me. Hand in the cookie jar. Heather and Corinne, neither of you watched any of The Recruit. I saw a few scenes. And what did you see? Mostly Colin Farrell shirtless, which Those was are very great confusing. Scenes to catch. <laughs> he was on a computer shirtless. Yeah. And he looked very uh, perplexed. Mm-hmm. But I did not watch the movie, really. Okay. I was too busy enjoying nature. Corinne, did you see a single second of it? No. What were you doing instead? I was napping. <laughs> do you feel good about the choice you made? I do, but I did hear a lot of like really loud noises while I was taking a nap. So it felt like a really good action movie, maybe. A lot of people doing really bad Pacino impressions? Could that have been the noises? Probably. <laughs> there were some great one-liners near the end. I did catch that. Nice. <laughs> yes. This isn't, see, you thought you didn't appreciate any parts of it, but now it seems like you like the shirtless, uh, agonizing computer work and the one-liners. I think I'd still rate it as bad, bad, though. So would I. <laughs> you got me. Hand in the cookie jar. Nick, you actually watched The Recruit with us. I did. I missed, like, the first, like, ten minutes. But that did not but... impede your ability to predict every single beat of the entire film. Yeah, I had a pretty clear idea of what was going to happen, sort of just by looking at the poster. As in the DVD cover, there's like the crosshairs and like the CIA logo and Colin Farrell like running somewhere, Mm -hmm. Um, which sort of gives you the impression that he's sort of like being hunted. Right. He's, you know, he's sort of on the defensive with the entire role, which, you know, he is kind of. Sort of, yeah. Um, But then that also sort of gives you the impression that since Colin Farrell's on the defensive, then someone must be like on the offensive. And right. the only other actor worth mentioning obviously was Al Pacino. Yes. Um, and you know, somehow he just doesn't quite pull off like the warm, caring mentor type. Right. So you sort of, <laughs> yeah, you sort of know there's going to be some, and these type of movies, they either much like, um, the Michael Douglas Kiefer Sutherland vehicle, The Sentinel, yes. which I believe came out in 2006, right. which was another sort of like cat and mouse mentor yeah. turning into the like... Secret the, Service in that one. Yeah, though. exactly. Yeah. Um, 
there's either going to be the twist that the character we think is the good guy is the bad guy, or mm-hmm. like you know the one that sort of the mentor role is like not and everything's not what it seems, or they pull a uh, like oh the bad guy was some tertiary character the right. whole time. So in this, right. so we either could have had Al Pacino being the bad guy, which yeah. ended up happening, or Gabriel Macht would have ended right. up ha- being pulling the strings. Um, but we pr- kind of predicted rightfully that he would be like the sacrificial right, lamb who exactly. would kind of turn the feral character right, to would, face the right way. Right, that would sort of be the last piece in the puzzle where he like realizes right. like not everything's as it seems. Yeah. Um, and then I think you know I think you made a good point that the most surprising part of the movie is that Al Pacino's rant at the end is yeah. coherent enough to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to double as an actual confession. Right, exactly. Yeah. Because it kind of seems like. Um, Definitely like a drunk uncle rant there. Oh, Definitely yeah. like a, you know... What, me? Yeah, you know, how could I, you know... No, it's like you kids and like you're, you know, the economy and like, you know, back in my day... Yeah. We did all the, but you, you know, the, yep. You got me. Hand in the cookie jar. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chance. So you watched 50% of the movie? What would you say? I'd say so. I was taking a nap. Yes. And then I came in, and Colin Farrell and Al Pacino were in the car. That happens so many times. Yeah, you're movie. right. You caught one of them, um, That was not very specific. No, no, it's not your fault. Um, it's the movie's fault. You called did. out some DC geography stuff, too, right? Oh, that's right. So they're in the... Well, first of all, he was like, let's go to the Navy Yards right by M Street. Mm-hmm. And M Street is, like, way north of the Navy Yard, so that yeah. doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Second of all, they're in the metro at Union Station. Yeah. Which is like, it's, I believe, the oldest station in the entire system. It was one of the first, like, three stations that were built. And it's filthy and disgusting. And the trains also, like, never work. I think it was Noah who made a joke that was, like, the most unrealistic thing about this film (laughs) is that the trains are running. I would add to that the fact that they were, like, clean. And that the station was, like, well lit and Mm -hmm. not covered in soot and grime and stuff. You were great at calling out the transit shortcomings of this movie. You got me. Hand in the cookie jar. Andrew Lamerson, huge moment for you right now. Yes. Um, Chance, I must say, we were reunited. Uh, we were former classmates at uh, the University of Nebraska. So right. it's, a, it's an honor to finally be on the pod. Uh, and we all gathered here together this weekend specifically to watch The Recruit. Uh, did you see any of it? I did. I saw... Uh, I pretty much saw like the beginning montage of uh when uh the titular recruit was uh recruited did Um, you what did you do the rest of the time and do you think you made a good choice uh yes i the rest of the time i uh hung out with my wife i made guacamole uh, which was a big hit so i think i spent my time wisely instead of watching the remainder of the movie recruit the recruit. It was a higher quality guac than it was action thriller. Thank you. Thank you. Um, What do you think you missed? Have you seen The Recruit before? I have not seen The Recruit before. What do you think The Recruit is about? What do you think happens? Uh, If I had to take a wild guess, I would say uh, Colin Farrell in the 1.0 part of his career, because he's Mm -hmm. having an amazing second act right now. Um, He gets recruited to join the CIA and it ends up being the perfect job that uh, allows him to express his uh, want to be a badass. I, I gotta say, um, incredible acting job by, by Colin Farrell to uh, 
pull off that like no it was my mission right. i'm 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 the good guy mm-hmm. um yeah so I, that kind of makes me want to sit through the whole movie again just wow. so i could see it you're an outlier this weekend man okay because really that has not been uh, really no. okay Okay, I mean, I'm glad that I didn't watch it, because right. we're here in this beautiful Pennsylvania um, abandoned summer camp, right. and it's uh, that I didn't really come here to watch movies, so, yeah. But you did come here to talk about them, and for that, I thank you. Yes, thank you very much, Jim. Right. You got me! Hand in the cookie jar! Matthew and Allison, did you guys see any of The Recruit? I saw The Big Chill. <laughs> you watched The Big Chill. Allison, you saw... I was sleeping. Do you feel good about the choice you made? Uh, from, I do. From I, what you've heard about the movie. I do. Okay. I could hear Colin Farrell in the background, um, but I'm glad that I made the choice to sleep. Yes. Yeah. Um, See, I know absolutely nothing about The Recruit, because I didn't watch it. You but talk, I watched The Big Chill last Let's talk night. Big Chill. My favorite thing about The Big Chill is just, it's just normal people living right. life. That's true. You know, you don't Isn't need that. To, you know, when you think about what do you need to make a good movie? What do you need to make a good movie? Do you need guns? No. Do you need like a secret CIA program? Yeah. Do you need Al Pacino? You don't. Definitely. You don't. Know, so maybe, I lied a little bit. I didn't know that Al Pacino was in the recruit, but you know, but uh, that's a uh, big chill. Is just uh, you know, a lot of movies try to fit in too much these days, and the 1983 classic The Big Chill fits in just what you need. A sterling take on the recruit. Allison, this nap you had, did you get in a full REM cycle, you think, during the recruit? I don't think so. It was about a 45-minute nap. I okay. don't think I hit REM, but I did get a nice recharge. You got me. Hand in the cookie jar. Sarah, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Chance. We, you're here for a little bit of a mea culpa. Yeah, Because I you, really... like so many people through the years, you thought you knew more than the recruit. I really messed didn't. up. You're right. Please um, explain. So I said earlier on the show that M Street was nowhere near the Navy Yard. Mm -hmm. And And I believed you, like a fool. Well, here's what happened. I went to college in D.C. in the northwestern quadrant of Mm -hmm. D.C. And there's a street there called M Street Northwest. But there are three other quadrants of D.C. that also have an an M Street. And so it turns out that the film was talking about M Street Southeast which is right on top of the Navy Yard. And like a fool, I forgot about that. Does this change your general feeling about the verisimilitude of the movie? Um, on that point, yes, but I still stand by the points I made regarding the metro system and like the general public transit. Hopefully we can get you on one more time before this is all over. Yeah. All right, thanks, Sarah. Thanks a lot. You got me, hand in the cookie jar. Okay, Kristen, I'm going to ask you the same question I've been asking everybody. Did you see The Recruit this weekend? I did see The Recruit this weekend. How much of it did you watch? 60%. That's a good number. Mm -hmm. That's higher than average. And what'd you take away? Um, All of the actors and producers and writers made a decision to make that movie together, and it created a product. You got me. Hand in the cookie jar. Lucy, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Did you watch the movie? Like a little bit of it. How much? Like enough to know I didn't need to watch the full movie. <laughs> Lucy, thanks for coming on the show. No, um, <laughs> so what part did you watch? Like the second half. Like I saw the cookie jar. Okay, quote. you saw what you, I, you saw what other people thought you needed to yes, see. Yes, exactly. I saw enough to know that like, 
you know, it wasn't my type of movie. You're not a big fan of, uh, like, 90s, early aughts, like, yeah. over-the-top Pacino? Right. Okay. I'd say, yeah, that's not, my, that's not my thing. What'd you do for the other half of it? Um, I was napping a little, right. and then I watched Lambo make guac. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I came over and hung out, ate uh, some Swedish fish. I've been asking people to assess the quality of their naps during the movie. How was yours? Well, it wasn't really. I was just resting. Oh, okay. So, you know, I was just like hanging out, trying to make sure my sister like, didn't get in trouble in the Haymarket. That's great. And did she, I think she was fine. She okay, was fine. good. Yeah. And uh, how do you think Lambo did on the guac? It was good. Yeah. Rated solid 8.5. Great. And the movie? <laughs> uh, like a, like a bad bad. But can you give, but like on, the, on the, on the guac wanna, scale? On the guac scale, probably like a four and a half. So if it was like a, if the movie were guac, it would be like Not pretty really. brown. Yeah. It'd need more lime. Mm-hmm. You got me. Hand in a cookie jar. Hi, Chance. Oh, hi. It's just us now. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. There are a lot of people, but now it's, now it's just us. Um... So what did you think of The Recruit? Because I know you're not going to give no your honest opinion. Um, it's a really tough question after hearing all of these people say that they napped through it. I don't know what it says about me that I chose to actually stay awake for one of the worst movies I can recall. I mean, Al Pacino is certainly loud, and Colin Farrell is certainly pre-rehab. I think those were my big takeaways. You got me. Hand in the cookie jar. Before we go, can we shout out uh, fall classicer, Lodger, um, Nick Buder for one of the funniest movie game moments I've encountered? And what was that? It's where, so the movie game, explained super briefly, is just a bunch of movie fans sitting in a circle Basically, you got to go movie to actor, movie to actor, movie to actor uh, until somebody's stumped and then they're out. But the way that you get somebody out is like when somebody tosses out something you don't know, you have to challenge back at them and they, so they name another actor in that movie. Or another or movie, movie that that actor's actor been in. in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was just me versus Nick mm-hmm. then like our sixth round of the <laughs> night. And... <laughs> and uh, I think I went to... I went to him with Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Well, because he started out, he said, Julian Glover. I said, we'd already done Last Crusade, so I said, Empire Strikes Back. And he said, David Prowse, <laughs> who... If people don't know... Who I know to have played the body of Darth Vader in the <laughs> not original... The voice. Not James Earl Jones, David Prowse. <laughs> the person who's physically in the Darth Vader suit. So, of course... I can't name another David Prowse movie, but I also, I know the game at this point, so I know that Nick can, I guess, and it was so agonizing. I was like, you know another David Prowse film? It might, probably my angriest what of was the it? weekend. It was a Clockwork Orange. <laughs> it was so funny, so. That's pretty incredible. That's the kind of movie uh, geek what a, we were dealing with What a clever this little man he is. A clever little man, aren't you, Nick? Aren't you, Buter? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, Shane, I had such a blast hanging out with you this weekend. Thanks so for much fun. coming all the way to the East Coast. We'll have to do it again soon. I hope we do. As always, episodes of our show is are on berealpodcast.com. Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you get your shows. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you know, cozy up to us. Come to the Fall Classic, maybe. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. You know what would be great is if you took 
30 seconds and gave us a review too those are helpful i guess oh yeah absolutely yeah so if you're say one of the 20 people who guessed it on the show and you have never reviewed it maybe uh pop on over maybe that's the time could be could be yeah all right buddy that was the sound of our handshake bye everyone you got me hand in the cookie jar